Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... I've been listening to these people. Turn them people off and turn the Lord up. And let Him renew your mind and renew you in the spirit of His mind. If you start feeling angst, if you even feel divisive a little bit, if you start feeling, I don't like that group. I can't not like any group. You know why? Because Jesus loves every group. Y'all know that? And if I'm going to represent him, that's got to flow through me. God loves every group. I don't care who they are, where they came from, how they got here, what they look like. Jesus loves them. God shows no partiality. However, that's not the experience that saturates our news feeds, relationships, and all that we see in the world around us. Pastor Bill teaches you through his message today to work on living without partiality and division. Don't see groups, colors, denominations, and other categories that seek to divide people. Instead, Pastor Bill exhorts you to think of the ways in which you can unite people. Consider how you can bridge the gap and the divides. Turn people to Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 3 as he continues his message, Old Man versus New Man. If you've been walking with the Lord 15 years, you're still going under transformation. Amen? And it's never going to stop. If you're here, if you are 19, and if you're 99, you both are being trans. You can, God's continuing to do a work. There's things that God is still, at every stage of your walk, there'll be the work of sanctification is going to continue on. And there are going to be changes that God is making, things that God is calling you away from and calling you to. And so it, it never ends till we get to heaven. And so wherever we are, we should be looking to continually grow and move forward and I walk with the Lord. So moving on now, verse eight, he continues with behaviors of the old person of the old nature. Verse eight, he says, but now you yourselves are to put off these. And so we have another list anger. This is a, it's defined as a strong spirit of dislike or animosity, a vengeful spirit, a settled feeling of hatred, anger, Uh, And now everybody gets angry. Even God got angry. The Bible says be angry, but what? Sin not. So if you are hot headed, right? If you get angry and, and you, in your anger, you sin all the time. That's what we're talking about here. Someone that's given over to their anger. You just give room to, it characterizes you. As a Christian, we should not be characterized as angry. People that work should, they should, oh man, don't say nothing to her. Oh no, no man, she'll tear you up, you know? And that's that now that's a non-believer that's okay but if, if they talk about christians like that y'all know that's not okay y'all know that that's not okay so you shouldn't be given over to anger your neighbor that the kids in your neighborhood shouldn't be afraid to, we had ladies in our neighborhood where we knew if if we rode our bikes and we touched their grass they was coming out to give us an earful and so being you know knucklehead kids you would you know you bump your, your friend on the grass so they can get screamed at you know by the mean lady or whatever but we shouldn't see that same woman getting in the car to go to church on Sunday every week though you know the bad witness and so if you're giving over to anger that's something that God would say hey that that's part of the old man that can't be a part of your your consistent characteristic as a believer next on the list is wrath this is this described as an intense form of anger probably involves violent outbursts so someone it's, it's your anger is wrath is your anger that's spilled over into outbursts. It could be yelling and screaming. It could be going after people. And so again, these are all attributes of the old man, the old nature. And so again, if you're saying that you're a Christian and I would say the best barometer for this are the people that live in your house, right? If you're a dad or a mom, 
and you got kids, ask them, do I blow up all the time? Some of y'all don't want to ask because you already know you do. Right? And, and I'm saying this, right? If you know that's true, know that, know two things. One, this is telling you that you're living in the old person. Either you need to really repent of giving way to the old man or you need to be born again. If that's your consistent character and behavior. Number two, if you're a parent, you're being a bad witness to your kids. Do you want your kids to go to heaven? Do you want your kids to believe in the reality of who Jesus is? They better see the transformation in you first. And if you're putting off fake to your kids, you got to give an account to God for that. If you're demonstrating to them, this is not real. This is, there's nothing real about this. If they're, if they're saying dad's a Christian and he blows up and tears up, then what have you done to your kid's faith? You're going to give an account for that. It is a big deal to God, right? And it's not just in our homes. It could be in our communities. It could be in our workplace or whatever. But God said, look, this is characteristic of the old man. Anger, wrath. The next on the list is malice. Malice is wicked conduct towards another person with the idea of harming the person or their reputation. So, you know, this is, you know, maybe someone you don't like. And so you talk about them bad. You, you put out information about them bad or you come after them is being malicious. You didn't accidentally hurt their feelings. It was malice. You got that's a heart issue that flows out into action. Are you a malicious person? You come for people. You know, you come against people. Do you do things that harm or injure other people? God would say, look, that's malice. That's not a believer. That don't characterize the saints. We the saints are going out. We helping folks. Amen. We're feeding people, giving them drink, praying for their hurts. We're not out there doing malicious, mean stuff, hurting people. That should not be us. That should never characterize the, the child of God, the man or the woman of God. So we got malice. Next, blasphemy. This is the, the idea here is, is strong language used against another person. It's not like blaspheming God here in that way. Blasphemy and then the next one, they kind of go together. Blasphemy is against a person. Filthy language means shameful speaking. And describes that which is lewd, indecent, or corrupt, disgraceful, or, or impure language. So, as believers, should you have a foul mouth as a believer? Huh? All right. Because some believers got foul mouths. <laughs> so, I've heard of people getting cussed out in church parking lots. Not ours, praise God. But I've heard of people, you know, leaving church and, and, and you know, can't get out in time and just, you know, shut up. You know, it's not no tongues. They're saying some other stuff, you know. So look, if you're a believer and, and you're saying, look, Christ is Lord and the spirit of God rules and reigns in my life. Why you still talk like that? Why you still got a foul mouth? Why you still talk like a son of Satan or a daughter of the devil? You know, whichever one you may be, we shouldn't be cussing. That shouldn't be our language as people that are representing the king of kings. Amen. So be concerned. He's, he's laying out the old man again. He'll go into the new man a little bit today and then a lot more next week. But he's saying, look, this is the old man. And this is this should not characterize you or me today. And so moving on, he says, the, uh, uh, says um, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Verse nine. And this is a big one. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the last thing about the old man is he's a liar. How many of us, when we weren't saved, used to lie? Raise your hands. 
every hand should go up. Y'all have been lying since you got here. So some of y'all been lying. Y'all, some of y'all couldn't even talk yet, and you was lying. Your mama asked, "Did you take it?" Mm-mm. You didn't have no words yet. You was lying. So it's part of the fallen nature, right? We lie. That's it's a bad thing. Here's the thing: when you come into your walk with the Lord, your relationship with Christ, that can't continue to be. As a Christian, you shouldn't be a good liar, right? You should be a truth teller now. And it's difficult, especially if that's, you know, something you, you know, kind of got good at, you know, some of us, when we weren't saved, we got good at lying. We use lying to get out of trouble or to, you know, shade things or whatever. People use lying for a lot of things. This is what you need to know about lying. It is the opposite character of God, right? The Bible says God doesn't just tell the truth. He is the truth, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The truth is who he is. Now, Satan is a liar. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, speaking of the devil, it says that the devil is the daddy of all lies. Y'all know that? And when anybody lies, you're tapping into a satanic resource. You're becoming like Satan when you lie. So, as a believer, you want to resist that. You want to acknowledge, wow, this is not how God would have me to be. Here's some different ways that people lie. Some people lie outright, you know, where are you coming from? Uh, and you just tell a lie. Boom. You know, usually there's a motive for lying. You're lying to get out of trouble. You're lying to, to not be found out or something else you did lying to cover up something else bad that you did. But one form of lying, just outright telling something that's not true. Another form of lying is withholding information. I can withhold enough information to where I lead you to believe something that's not true. That's lying too. That's being deceptive. That's not being truthful. It's not being honest. That's not how God is. Another form of lying is exaggeration. Exaggerating something, you know, making it more than what it is. You know, uh, guys do this all the time. You know, you got a guy that can barely make a layup. Oh, man, I'll be out there hooping him up. I could, I could do, I'm dunking on him. He can't touch the backboard. Come on, he dunking on people. You know, just a, exaggeration is a form of lying. Cheating, right? You guys play games. If some of y'all, some of y'all are competitive. I know some competitive people, but some people are so competitive that they'll cheat, right? Uh, I used to play this game called Words with Friends. Y'all know what that game is, right? And I'll be I'll be playing with people that were my friends, and so you know these people. So I'm playing the game with a friend of mine that I know the brother don't speak that well, and he coming up with all kind of words and names. I'm like, this is, you know, I, I, it's unbelievable. Then I found out that there was a, a cheat for the game. And you can go behind him, man, you got to be kidding. This guy's been cheating me this whole time. I'm over here getting frustrated because I'm, I'm pretty good with words. And this guy's whooping me. He's cheating. He, he typing in words in some app to come back. And so cheating is a form of lying. It's deceptive. It's not true. This is what we know about lying. It's the way of the enemy. Satan, the Bible says that he's a liar from the very beginning. That when he lies, he's speaking of his own resources. He's a father of all lies. And so here he says, look, if you're a believer now, if you're a Christian now, you've put off, you put to death the members of your flesh. You're no longer fornicating, no longer uncleanness, no longer passion for lustful things. You're no longer have evil desire. You're no longer coveting everything that you see. And now in this, this second list is you're not walking in anger or wrath or malice. You're not blaspheming people. You're not using filthy language and you're not lying. You're not, you, you're not walking around lying about everything. So here, as we get, that's the end of that list of the, the old man, the old nature. And it's not even an exhaustive list. But if you listen to that list and say, man, that describes me. I do a lot of that stuff. Here's the good news, right? You're here. Today you're here, you're alive, and there's room for repentance for you.
right? God, if God is revealing to you today something that you did not understand, that you did not previously know, praise God that you're here. We're glad that you claim. We're glad that you're listening wherever you may be. But you can change that today. You can now say, God, I, I, now that I know, I want to be changed. I don't want to continue to live this way. And God will forgive you and God will empower you to make the change that you need to make. But as we move from there, now we begin to look at the new man and it says the second part of verse 10 says, and now it says you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. The, the new man is renewed in knowledge. Where does that knowledge come from? You guys, the word of God, one of the first things we try to do to a person that gets born again is give them a Bible. Why? Because that's, that's the new man's instruction booklet right there. The Bible is going to continue to reveal to you, you know, the many things that God is going to change. You're going to have a new desire, a new passion, new direction. There's some new rules that you're going to live by. But the Bible is where we get all the instruction for the new life. And so we give to new believers a Bible right away. Do you have a Bible? Let us give you a Bible. Why? Because in this book, God's going to reveal himself. His way, his rules, his plans, his desires, and you really can't know God apart from his word. And so the new person, the new man is renewed. And so here's the thing with being renewed. It takes time. So if you've been saved for two weeks, it's God's got God's just getting going with you and the work's going to continue. Everybody here, if you've been saved for a while, you should be patient with new believers that they're going through the same process you went through. None of us got saved and were completely transformed overnight. Were we? I'll tell you this, right? When I first got saved, if you were to tell me like two months in, I was proud at that time of how changed I was because God had made big changes, right? I was no longer, you know, selling drugs. I was no longer getting drunk every day. I was no longer living with somebody. I was like, man, my life has changed. And I go to church sometimes. That's, I mean, I was, I would go to church maybe once a month when I first got saved because I didn't have a church home. So I would go with the people that had been inviting me when I wasn't saved. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna go to your church this week. You know, and I would go check out a church, which I never found one that I liked when I wasn't saved. And then I met my wife and, and all this whole other thing broke out there, but that's how it began. As I look back now on that person, I still had a lot of work to do. I still had a mouth on me. Uh, I had not, I had not been convicted about my language yet. So if you had met me then and we would have talked, you'd have been like, you, you saved. <laughs> and I can't, I, you know, I would have told you, yeah, you know, uh, heck yeah. But the other word, you know, so there was still work to be done, right? The, the, my attitude or whatever, there's still a lot of, a lot of edges that needed to be shaved off. I've been saved for years now and there's still, there's fr- fresh things that God is today working on me. I'm not done y'all. I got stuff today that God's like, you need to get that. You need to work on I want to grow. I want you to grow in that area. There's stuff for me to repent of now. There's stuff for me to press into now, to grow in now. And I believe it'll continue to be that way. And so, but the new man is renewed. It says he's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So it's as I get to know Jesus, Jesus is my example, right? Jesus will always be the example for the Christian. He's the standard. And as I look to Jesus as the standard, I'm always going to fall short. Amen. I don't look to people. I don't invite you guys to look to me. I'm not the standard. We're all together looking to Jesus as the standard. And we're saying, look, he's perfect. He's flawless. He's wonderful. He's holy. He does all things well. He never comes short in anything. He's the standard. You want to know how to be a man? Look to Jesus. Want to know how to be a good mom? Look to Jesus. Want to know how to walk with God closely? Look to everything you need. Look to him. He's who we're looking to. 
Amen. So we're looking at Jesus. We're, we're, the new man is being renewed in, in, in knowledge according to the image of him cre- who created him. Verse 11. And I love this verse. This is our last verse today. And then we're going to have communion. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. In the culture to which he was speaking, there was great division, just like the culture to which we speak into today. And this time in Colossians, in that culture, there was, there was strong division, division of the classes, slave and free, division of races, Jew and Gentile, division of sexes, male and female. It was way more divided then than now. Women had way less rights, way less respect than they do now. Christ, Christ did a lot to bring the balance there because men and any system that's man run will put down everybody that's not them. So women were put in a very low place in, in this time and culture. And so all these things that were divisions in the culture, God says, look, in Christ, none of that matters. Look at the last part of verse 11. He says, in Christ, but in Christ, we're all, Christ is all, is all and in all. There's a unity that Christ brings that ruins the, the divisions. And so in our world today, people are divided by class. People are divided by social structure. People are divided by race. Today, people are divided by their political stances. Can I point something out to you about political stances? That that is a worldly concept, right? Politics are, the, that's the kingdom of this world. Amen. And so imagine that there, there are Christians divided against other Christians over the politics of this world. Crazy madness shouldn't be. That's secondary. You guys, the Bible says we're passing through and our home is not here. Amen. Our home is there. So if we keep it balanced, we should be able to be unified because the most important thing we've agreed upon, we've agreed upon who God is. We've agreed upon who the savior is. We've agreed upon who is the one that can forgive us of sins and take us into eternity. We've agreed on that. That's the most important thing. And so God says, look in Christ, there's unity. We can be unified. And so even as I look out today, I see a lot of different types of people. I love this. I love that the in Christ, you can have rich or poor, black and white, Hispanic and otherwise, that we can all come together. And none of the things that may divide up our world and culture, it should not divide us here. Amen. Because we've all agreed that Jesus is king. God is our dad. That we're family. That I'm going to be in eternity with you guys. And so if I'm going to heaven with you, I need to be able to kick it with you now. Amen. At least we should be able to get along now. We should be able to worship him together now. We're going to be in eternity together. The church should really be the place the world looks in and says, how did they do that? The world should look in at us and say, wow, they, they figured it out. Some of the issues and problems of the world that they can't solve it. They can't figure out how to get it together. They should peer into the church and say, wow, what a difference Jesus has made. In the lives of people. And so here's the thing. That's why we as Christians got to make sure our minds are being renewed in Christ, in his word. We got to turn off the television, turn off the news, turn off. Sometimes those media sources are what are dividing people. And sometimes the flaw is that there are Christians that are given over more time to that than to the word of God. And so you begin to espouse views and opinions that you're receiving from Satan's children, essentially, that you're listening to all day, every day on the news, on the radio, taking it in, taking it in. And you realize, man, I'm, I'm not I didn't get none of that from Jesus. Jesus didn't inspire me to feel that way. 
The spirit of God didn't move me to divide over here. I've been listening to these people. Turn them people off and turn the Lord up and let him renew your mind and renew you in the spirit of his mind. If you start feeling angst, if you even feel divisive a little bit. If you start feeling, I don't like that group. I can't not like any group. You know why? Because Jesus loves every group. Y'all know that? And if I'm going to represent him, I, that's got to flow through me. God loves every group. I don't care who they are, where they came from, how they got here, what they look like. Jesus loves them. Amen. And if I'm going to represent him, then when I go in his name to them, they got to understand that, hey, I want him to love you through me. I want to be a conduit through whom Christ's love can flow through my life. And I'll be hindered if I'm taking in bad information from outside sources. The people that don't know God got me feeling weird about this. I don't know about them because, you know, they do that uh, over there. I mean, everybody here, consider what you used to be, right? If I told you everything I was when I wasn't saved, y'all wouldn't like me. I mean, I don't think Christians would have liked who I was when I wasn't saved. And sometimes believers treat non-believers like that, right? I live, y'all know I lived on a block and there was a church on the block that I lived on. And in my neighborhood, we had a whole bunch of boys that grew up together, about 15, 16 of us within four to five years of each other. And we hung out on the corners and we hung out, everybody sitting on their bikes and the cars would go by and we'd you know, make noise and do stupid little things and hanging out on the street. But when the, the church that was on the block that we lived in, they never reached out to us. But when they would drive by the ministers and the deacons and the servants of that church, you could get the sense that they were looking at all these boys in the corner like, shame, look at that, what a waste, look at this hanging out. That's how it, it felt. Like they were disgusted with us. So guess how we in turn felt about the church? Ah, disgusting church people, snooty. No, that's how we felt right back at them. And so it, though there was a church on my block, I never heard the gospel from that church. Is that crazy? That's crazy to me that, I mean, it's not even that the church is on my block. A deacon from the church was on my block. Ministers were down the street. Members were all over. I never heard the gospel from that church. I don't want to be that church. Right. I don't want to represent that. I want sinners that I want to see sinners and I want them to feel loved. I want them to I want them to experience the love of Christ and hear the gospel. We're not just loving you silently. I'm going to love you and then we're going to say something. Amen. We got a message to share. So I'm going to love you practically, but I'm going to tell you the gospel. That's the most loving thing you can do is tell somebody what Jesus did for him. And so as we end this here again, verse 11, he says, look, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And that will characterize the new man. We're being renewed in our mind, and we see Christ is all and in all. Christ is everything. Christ is able to, he's able to break down every barrier and wall that the world has raised up that we might represent him to everyone. Because we continue this, we'll go into more detail about the new man, the character of the new man, verses 12 through 17 a week. But as we end this today, I definitely want to give an opportunity for prayer and for two things, because maybe there are people that are listening or people that are here and you heard the list of the old man, but it, it that's speaking to who you are today. That's okay. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you heard it. You got to do something with that though. That would say to me that there needs to be repentance. There needs to be a turning away from 
those things and turning to the Lord. And so we're going to invite you to do that today. We're going to pray for you today that God would, God would meet you as you turn to give you strength to walk in newness. Secondly, maybe we're here and we're well aware that we're new men, new women born again. I want to encourage you that we'll allow God to continue. That renewal is not done. It's a continued process that we would let God continue to have his way that we might reflect him well to a lost and dying world in which we live. You've been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Colossians. This book is a letter penned by the Apostle Paul. We find him sitting in a Roman prison where he just received news that the church in Colossae was being infiltrated with false teaching that went against the very nature of Jesus. How dangerous would it be to start believing that Jesus wasn't who he said he was and is? This was why Paul confronted this issue and reminded the Colossian church that God's sufficient for all we need. When we think we can't go on, He gives us endurance. When you feel like you've messed up one too many times, He takes it away by His blood. When you're in doubt, He gives you peace. If you've ever felt these ways before, there's hope in Jesus, friends. And the more you dive into His Word, you'll find this to be true. In fact, if you visit our website, calvaryinglewood.org, we have a daily Bible reading plan just for you. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you've got any questions or simply need someone to talk to, we're waiting. Just call 310-245-4811. Our prayer is that as you walk through life, you have a deep personal relationship with Jesus. So commit this number to your memory, 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood out of Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today. This has been A Transforming Word.